To those of you listening to us on the internet and to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God upon which we base our message on this eighth Sunday after Pentecost is a blending of all three of the readings this morning, Old Testament, Epistle, Gospel. From the Old Testament, from Jeremiah, I recall just these words. Then I will gather the remaining part of my flock from all the countries where I chase them. I will bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fertile and increase in number. And from Ephesians chapter 2. In his body, he has made Jewish and non-Jewish people one by breaking down the wall of hostility that kept them apart. And from Mark chapter 6, he saw a large crowd and felt sorry for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who truly is our compassionate shepherd king, my beloved. It's kind of interesting when you take a look at how God created us. He created us in his image, and he created us as five-dimensional people. That's why when Jesus was instructing his disciples regarding the commandments, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was telling us that we are emotional, spiritual, physical, mental and relational people and that God wants us to love him with our whole being, with all five dimensions. With that in mind, I'd like to combine, as I mentioned before, all the three readings uh, for this eighth Sunday after Pentecost. And we take a look at how how our shepherd king compassionately, emotionally wants to help us. He wants to help us spiritually and physically and relationally. Just like us, God is an emotional person. You can see his emotions scattered throughout all the pages of history. Sometimes he talks about his, uh, of the Bible. Sometimes he talks about his anger. Sometimes he talks about his love. Sometimes he talks about his sorrow. This morning, we want to talk about God's emotion of compassion. Now, I tried my best this last week to come up with an illustration to convey God's, what it means that God has compassion on us. This was as close as I could get. Suppose a scene of a school playground, and there's a five-year-old kindergarten there, And the five-year-old kindergartner is being beat up by an eighth-grade bully. Now go one step further and imagine that that five-year-old kindergartner is your kid. How would you feel and what would you want to do? Mark chapter 6 said that when Jesus looked out over the people standing there, He felt compassion. He felt sorry for them. Actually, if you take a look at the Greek, it's much closer rendering of the word. It said he experienced a gut 
heart-wrenching anguish. He saw helpless people and he recognized he needed to help. The first reading, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah, of course, you recognize as being one of God's Old Testament prophets. He was not a popular man in his uh, kingdom of Judah. Everybody sort of hated him because of the message that he brought to them. The fact that he told them that they had stopped loving their Lord God. And they had stopped serving him. And so, as a consequence, if they didn't repent, they were going to lose their whole kingdom. Kings would be destroyed. Jerusalem would be destroyed. And Jeremiah himself lived through all of that. Now, the verses before us today, Jeremiah is giving another scolding of the people from God. He's speaking for God. He starts out by saying, how horrible. The old uh, translations used to say, woe to you. How horrible for those shepherds who were destroying and scattering the sheep. Now, just exactly who are those shepherds that were scattering and destroying the sheep? Well, in this particular section, it was the kings, the rulers of of, uh, Jeremiah's day. They conveyed to the people a lack of contentment with the necessities of life and a constant lust for more. They didn't defend the poor and the needy. They oppressed the innocent. They extorted from the populace. They practiced slavery and forced labor. And they allowed their subjects indulgence in the depraved and debauched religious practices of their heathen neighbors. And by doing all that stuff, they were destroying the faith of the people. And eventually, because of God's anger, those people were going to be scattered to foreign countries. Bad kings. Bad shepherds. Hurting the helpless flock. They weren't doing their job. So you know what God says in these words before us? He said, okay, I'm going to take over. I'm going to be the shepherd. I'm going to do the job myself because they're not doing it. Jesus, God was saying one day he would come into the world to clean up the mess. You ever think some of the messes that we make uh, and how much more energy it takes to clean up the mess than to make the mess? Did you ever play 52 pickup? How about pick up sticks? How about uh, having a kitchen accident where you're carrying some hot oil and you spill it all over the kitchen floor? Or how about uh, when we have our grandkids over? It takes them about two seconds to scatter the toys over all the floor, you know, and then uh, you have to make sure they try to pick them up. Otherwise, grandma and grandpa have to do that when they leave. Or carrying that uh, dish of food and you drop it and it's all over the floor. Jeremiah tells us who was going to clean up the mess. It was going to be a righteous branch from David. You recognize who that is because it goes on to talk about him as a king who would rule wisely and that he would be called the Lord, our righteousness. Jesus began the cleanup project in poverty in Bethlehem. And when he went out in his ministry, he saw the people and he had compassion on them. 
He had gut-wrenching anguish, and so he taught them the truth. He had to clean up the mess, so he cleansed the temple. And finally, he cleaned up the mess by becoming a mess himself, all bloodied and beaten and nailed to a cross as punishment for your disobediences and mine. And God doesn't let us off the hook this morning just because we aren't amidst the company of those bad shepherds, and that's why I handed out to you a table of duties in your bulletin this morning. Luther put those into his small catechism. You don't have to read them now. You can take them home. What they are are commands to us in our various stations of life. Husbands, wife, children, parents, uh, business owners, uh, citizens of the community. And when you take a look at those tables of duty, you have to recognize we have sinned against the Lord. So thanks be to God when he decided to gather up his flock, that he decided to expand his flock beyond the Jewish nation into the Gentiles. That'd be you and me. For 20 centuries, Jesus gathered up his flock. He's been gathering up his flock for 20 centuries. Some of them are already in heaven. You and I are sitting here today. And then he said, I'm going to give you some good shepherds. So he had his disciples and his apostles carry on for him after he ascended into heaven. And then he provided his churches, his church with pastors and teachers so that you and I could be rescued from the clutches of Satan by the shepherd king, the Lord, our righteousness. But today we look at the compassionate shepherd king and he doesn't only gather his flock and and take care of us spiritually, he also cares for us physically. You take a look at the gospel for this morning. There was the compassionate shepherd king looking out uh, over the people, And finally, when it got so late, you know the rest of the story. The disciples said, well, send them on home. Jesus said, well, no, you give them something to eat. What are you going to do here? So he said, go out and find out how much food is really out there. Found out that a person brought five loaves of unleavened bread and two, two smoked fish. And after Jesus gave thanks, then he began the miracle of multiplication. And like I said, it blows my mind how he could pick a loaf of bread out there and there'll still be five in there, another one five, another one five. A fish, two fish left in there. And believe you me, this was not just a snack. It was a feast. It was a banquet. Because the people said they took more than they, or they, all they wanted. You know how that is when you give out free food. Oh, uh, uh, give me, how can I have two? Uh, we did that at the rummage sale. Can I have two hot dogs? So they didn't take just as much as they need. They took as much as they wanted. And he provided such a a lavish banquet that there were 12 baskets full of food left over at the end. A miracle of multiplication that only God can do. And then we get to 2015 and we say, well, miracles of multiplication don't take place like that anymore, do they? Oh, yes. God still works his miracles, and we take them all for granted. We miss them every day. I mean, you go into the grocery store, and it's all there for you. You can pick out everything from pickles to pomegranates, from pork to cherry pies. It's all there. And sometimes we say, oh, there's little pixies that come in here and keep stocking the shelves. It's all from the shepherd king. 
the miracle of multiplication. And I'm so happy August is almost here because this is one of my favorite times of the year because sweet corn comes to harvest. And it's one of my favorites. Sometimes I overeat on it. But did you ever think about it? Those farmers go around today with their mechanized machinery and they plop one little kernel in the ground, you know, and after a little while, knee-high by the 4th of July, and all of a sudden you got a stalk with two ears on it, multiply a hundred times over. God allows those plants to grow by His air, which is free, and His sunshine and His rain. And they need those things to grow. And you know what happens when God withholds one or another, all the drought that's going out in California right now, the people are suffering. Lord, forgive us for the lack of recognition of your miracles. And Lord, forgive us for the sin of lack of thank, or thanklessness for your gifts of multiplication. And then uh, we recognize today that the shepherd king comes not only to help his helpless sheep spiritually and physically, but also relationally. Yes, in God's earthly church, there are relationships. And what St. Paul was talking about in Ephesians today was that there had been some tough times for the New Testament Christians because the church was made up of Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians, and they were culturally different. And there was a danger that there would be a division in the church. (coughs) So St. Paul had to remind them of the one thing that kept them together. He says, so that he could take Jewish and non-Jewish people, and create one new humanity in himself. So he made peace. He also brought them back to God in one body by his cross, on which he killed hostility. In his body, he has made Jewish and non-Jewish people one by breaking down the wall of hostility that kept them apart. And so it is in God's church. There's black and there's white. And there's red and there's yellow. And there's rich and there's poor. And there's male and there's female. And there's young and there's old. And there's Republicans and Democrats. But all people who know that you can't bring people together by legislation or litigation or mandates... And you know how it worked when you were a little kid, right? And you had a fight with somebody down the, the neighbor, uh, down the block, and your parents came out and said, now shake hands and be friends. Oh, that really works. Only when you know about the undeserved forgiveness from God through His Son can you begin to comprehend what it means to forgive others and be at one with them. I mean, did you ever think of it? All people at all time, have been saved in one and the same way. Through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God and to each other by the blood of the Lamb. And so our external differences are overcome by the recognition of our internal oneness. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, above all, through all, and in you all. 
And how different it is, really, isn't it? When you begin to take a look at another person and in the church <coughs> and recognize them not only as a blood-bought soul of Jesus Christ, but as a redeemed child of God. And they have just as much value as you did, as you do. That's why I think it's a really good practice for us to continue that before we begin our services each time, we greet each other with the peace of the Lord. Because what we're saying is we're all different. And we all have different ideas and opinions as to how the church should work. But we are all one through the blood of Jesus Christ. By the miracle of the shepherd king, the Lord our righteousness. So it is that every day the shepherd king comes to gather his sheep, to keep them safe spiritually and physically and relationally, It's kind of interesting when you take a look at Jeremiah chapter 23, those first six verses there, which are are the uh, scripture reading for today, are filled with promises from God. You count the number of I wills in there. I will punish shepherds. I will gather my flock. I will bring them back to their pasture. I will put shepherds over them. I will grow a righteous branch, a king, the Lord our righteousness. And so it was 2,000 years ago, God the Father looked down on the sheep and he said, who's going to go for us? Who's going to go down there and pay the price for these sheep who have followed faithless teachers, wrecked their lives through sin, wandered away? Who will suffer everything they deserve, even the punishment of hell, so that we can have them back? And Jesus stepped forward and he said, I'll go. I'm the only guy who can get the job done. And so he went. And he tells us still today, I will become your shepherd king. I will die for you. I will rise for you. I will wash you in baptism. I will give you my body and my blood. I will hear your prayers. And I will gather you together at the very last day. The compassionate shepherd king, he gathers his flock, he feeds his flock. He unites his flock. That's a job that only he could do. And he did. And he will. Amen. Please stand. Peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven 
and sits at the right hand of the Father (coughs) to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.